0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit GeorgiaFaith.com. Thank you for listening. He never saw it coming. But really, whoever does, those great moments of failure in our life those times where we do the things but maybe between we're 18 and 48 that keep us awake until we're 80. Those great failures and why is it that those gut-wrenching failures always seem to come on the heels of maybe great experiences or personal triumphs or a spiritual connection I mean, that's what it was for the Apostle Peter there in that gospel that we just heard, right? I mean, think about what a triumph of faith it was for Peter to have in the Son of God made man to say, Jesus, tell me, tell me to walk to you on the water. Can you imagine jumping over the side? What a great triumph of faith to believe that this man was the Son of God who could control things to such an extent that if he wants me to walk on the water, I'll walk on water. But right on the heels of that great triumph of faith came Peter's great failure. The wind and the waves and his fears robbed him of that triumph, so much so that when Jesus plucked him out of the depths, he chided him and said, you of little faith. Elijah never saw it coming either, I mean, his, his great failure. Like Peter, it came on the heels of a great triumph, and maybe like you and me it came predictably after a time that we felt great success remember who Elijah was he was one of God's greatest prophets and he needed to be because he lived at a time that was about the worst ever for the people of God he lived at the time there was a man king of Israel named Ahab and his wife the queen her name was Jezebel and these two were the worst leaders to ever set foot On the soil of Israel it's not just that they were it's not that they were bad managers of the kingdom or something like that no it's what they did was they were setting out to systematically destroy the worship of the true God in Israel they killed the Lord's prophets and his priests persecuted the religious leaders and the people that were faithful to God they imported false gods from other nations and established priesthoods and prophets to serve a god named Baal. It was idolatry on a national scale. God's answer? Well, he would send Elijah to confront Ahab. Now, imagine for a second that you're Elijah. Right? All the other prophets are systematically being killed by Ahab, and now God says, no, go. Go. Those two that are looking for you to try to kill you, you go, you go to them, and I want you to tell them something from me. I mean, here's the first triumph of faith that Elijah goes and speaks to a murderous king, trusting and knowing God's got me; it's going to be fine. He goes there, and he doesn't just speak some words to Ahab. He speaks God's message to him and says, "You are worshiping a god that is no god at all. You've abandoned the god of your fathers, and what you're worshiping is a lie." God says it's time to put up or shut up. God wants to see a display of power. So assemble the nation of Israel, because we're going to see for once who is real, the God of Israel or this God Baal. Don't your prophets consider Mount Carmel to be a place of power? Yeah, let's do it there. They can have home court. Just make sure that all Israel is there. And so that's when this showdown on the mountain happened. I mean, if you can picture it, you've got 450 prophets of Baal over here and just Elijah here. The ground rules were simple. Elijah and the 400 prophets, 450 prophets, they each sacrificed a bull, put it on an altar with wood and stone. And here it was, they would each pray to their God and whichever God answered with fire from heaven to burn the sacrifice, well, obviously that's the true God. So those 450 prophets of Baal, they started to pray and dance and yell, but no fire came from heaven because their God was a lie. They prayed and danced and yelled all day long, but there was no fire. Then at the end of that long process, Elijah stepped forward and he simply prayed these words, Oh Lord, let it be known today that you are God. And fire streaked down from heaven and burned the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil. And the people of Israel began, char- began chanting and shouting, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And 450 prophets of Baal were permanently put out of business that day. It's just a tremendous victory of faith for Elijah to stand there himself against a nation and put his trust completely in God, that the God of Israel would let them know that the Lord, he is God. He was riding high. What a triumph. That's why he never saw it coming. The queen Jezebel, when she heard that 450 of her prophets of Baal were dead, She sent a message to Elijah. Before tomorrow, I will kill you. And how to to explain it? Elijah, this, this man of faith, this man who just gave a triumphant example of faith, his faith just, well, it failed him. His fears and his despair He ran, ran into the wilderness, ran away from his place of ministry, ran away from what God had called him to do. He just ran. When we find him in our reading for this morning, he's hiding in a cave of all places, right? Now think about this. The Bible says something really so astounding here. Here's this failure of a prophet who's run away in fear, in doubt, in distress. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's out in the middle of the wilderness, out at another mountain, hiding in a cave. And then the Bible says this, kind of stupendous. The word of the Lord came to him. I mean, think about that. In the middle of this great failure of faith, in the middle of the wilderness... The word of God came to him. God didn't write him off. God didn't abandon him to his fear and despair. God found him in the wilderness in his fearful wanderings and the word of the Lord came to him. Here's the thing, God doesn't just do this for his prophets. He does this for every one of his people. Because there are days when we might find ourselves wandering in the wilderness maybe wallowing in a sin maybe wandering in the wilderness because we're so full of doubt and worry wandering in the wilderness because we're full of despair this is not a god who writes his people off this is a god who finds them The word of the Lord came to him. But now it's really interesting what he says, right? The word of the Lord did not come to Elijah, nor does he come to us and say, hey, see you wallowing in sin in the wilderness, and, you know, I just want to let you know it's going to be okay. No. No, what did he say? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? It's a question that God asks of us when he finds us wandering in the wilderness, too. What are you doing here? here Christian wallowing in this sin that you know you shouldn't be what are you doing here wallowing in this doubt and despair what are you doing here so far from the vocations I've given you the places I've called you to serve what are you doing here Elijah was out of place God asked him what are you doing here and it's interesting how Elijah answered oh What am I doing here, God? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I worship the Lord, the God, the almighty, powerful God, the leader of the heavenly armies. I've been faithful to you, and now this queen wants to kill me. The title that he used for God when he addressed him, um, you know, emphasizes God's role as the omnipotent leader of the heavenly armies. And we can start to get Elijah's point, what he's intimating here. God, if you're in charge of the heavenly armies, if you're a God of all power and might, then why in the world is this evil queen still standing, and when she's threatening me, your faithful prophet? Turns out Elijah had come looking for more fire. He uh, ran to the mountain called Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, and we can tell pretty easily why. Elijah was looking for more fire, like the stuff he saw on the top of the mountain. Think about that. The top of the mountain, everyone in the world could see that God was on Elijah's side. And who could stand against him? So then why, Lord, why this evil queen threatens my life and makes me scared? I mean, what Elijah really wanted was a God that was made to order. God, I want you to use the fire now. I want you to fix the problem in my life the way I want it fixed and on my timeline. That's why he goes to Mount Sinai. He goes looking for fire because the last time God showed up on Mount Sinai, that was when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And when Israel was assembled under Mount Sinai, you know what they saw on that mountain? Earthquakes and windstorms and fire. Trumpets piercing the air and ear. When God came to Mount Sinai the last time, everyone shook in their shoes. So when Elijah goes looking for fire, where does he run? He runs back to Mount Sinai. He wanted God on Elijah's terms. So God was going to teach him something, something very important. He says, Elijah, go out on the mountain, for the Lord is about to pass by. I'm about to show you what I'm really like. Now imagine that. Elijah steps out on this rock, and he knows that God's going to show up. He's going to show him what he's really like. And that's when the fireworks started. The Bible says there was a windstorm that shattered rocks like an F5 tornado. That's power. But God wasn't in the windstorm. Tectonic plates started moving, and the solid ground ceased to be solid, but God was not in the earthquake. And then came the fire. The last time God descended on top of Mount Sinai, the mountain burned. And God came again with fire, but God wasn't in the fire. Instead, there was a still, small voice, a a gentle whisper. And the Bible says the Lord was there, here was God in the whisper. God's teaching Elijah something very important. Our God is a God of great power and great might, but he's also a God of love who gently calls on each of us to leave our wanderings behind, to leave our failures in the past, and to follow him in faith. God wasn't coming in power and fire to destroy wayward people, but to call him to faith with the gentle whisper of the gospel. Yes, he's the God of the heavenly armies, but he chooses to work through the still, small voice that says, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And it's the same gentle whisper that reminds us again and again that those failures of ours they've been bought and paid for with the blood of god's son now god invites us to leave them behind and to follow him in faith and it was that same gentle whisper that god turned to this wayward prophet this man who was so far away from the calling god had given him and he said go back Go back and do the job I gave you to do. So what are you doing here? Maybe you found yourself wandering in a wilderness of sin or doubt or despair. Maybe you found yourself in a place far away from the roles or the callings God's given you. God's gentle whisper you day is an invitation to leave those failures and those wanderings at the foot of the cross and return to the callings he's given you to go back and serve and love and fulfill everything that I've laid before you as my child. It's easy for us to lose sight of that, especially when we have a day like Elijah did. Maybe we're not being chased by a wicked queen, But we know what it's like to live in a world that doesn't seem to line up with some of the promises God's made us. But here's the thing, what God teaches us with Elijah is that our present circumstances are not indicative of our relationship with God. So if you are suffering, or you are sick, or you are sorrowful, that is not indicative of your relationship with God. I get it, we say to ourselves, you know, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening to me. I'm a faithful Christian. I come to church. I serve you, Jesus. Why in the world would you let this happen to me? Show me the fire. Show me the earthquake. Fix it, Lord. Fix it now. God's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind. You are here today to hear the gentle whisper, the voice of God that whispers in your ears and gives you promises of something better that's coming. And the certain hope that one day he is going to fix everything that's broken in your life. I mean, that's the whisper that says, look at my cross. If I loved you like that there, can't you be certain that I will love you right here and right now? Go back. Serve in all the ways I've called you to serve. Trust me. Elijah did. And God kept every promise. That evil queen never made good on her threats. And you know what happened to Elijah? He did get to see fire eventually, but it wasn't God coming in the fire of judgment against his enemies. It was in the fire of God's grace in the chariot and horsemen that God sent to herald his faithful prophet home to glory. What are you doing here? Well, Lord, we know that answer. We're here to listen to that gentle whisper. It tells us again and again, trust me. God grant it. Amen.